Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we discuss educating our kids, and should Christians send our kids to public school, private Christian school, or homeschooling? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. This is Dan. And we are delighted to have you back and we are going to crush the concept and the conversation around should christians send their kids to public school come on now and we're excited because i use the word crush so we're going to really do this is going to be a great episode um and then if you stick around we are going to actually talk a little bit about our personal preferences in our own experiences um as dan being a obviously a uh, product of the public school system and me a product of the private school system uh, and kind of look back and say what would it have been like or what would we prefer now that we kind of look back so you'll have uh, you'll have very contrasting voices of public entitlement and privilege versus or I should say private entitlement oh. and privilege versus yes. uh, oppression yeah. and overcoming the odds yeah so <laughs> As you listen, just think of the multi-syllable words that I'll be using and the one-syllable words that Dan will be using, and then you'll see who got educated where. You <laughs> syllables. You also have numbers, I noticed. Yes, very percentages and stuff. But um, we're talking about this because, uh, I mean, it's a little bit selfish maybe even on my part. Like I, got, like, I have a three-year-old daughter, and we're like, my wife and I are thinking, like, well, what, do we, what in the world yeah. do we do? It kind of snuck up on us. Like, okay, we go to, like, pre-K and think about education and think about what we're going to do with these kids. You know, why, off the top of your head, quick question, why isn't it obvious what you're going to do? Why isn't it a, a natural, normal, obvious they're going to do what you experienced? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and we're actually going to talk about that. Yeah. Good cliffhanger. That's I like it. But we're going to talk But I think it has a lot to do with some of the stuff that you may, if you're listening, you've kind of perceived culturally going on. There's lots of conversations, lots of quote unquote culture wars, and lots and lots of them kind of emerge and maybe or even kind of triangulate around the the school system and that's mm. one of the places in which a lot of these things are kind of being fought out we, if you look back on the quote-unquote like don't say gay bill that was a big you know school uh, conversation right even we did a whole series on contemporary critical theory uh that was kind of focusing on in the school system and how that's potentially emerging in the culture war that and the debate that came over that and the governor of virginia basically won yeah. a the republican governor won an election uh, essentially on the campaign topic of parental rights, yep. right? So that was huge not too long ago. Yep, that's right. And so um, it seems like the the public school system is kind of ground zero for where all of these um, conversations are, are happening and triangulating. So um, that, um, and so you can answer your question, what, why is it not a naturally occurring thing? Is A, it's there's lots of things swirling around, but then B, it's, you know, in light of our mission as disciple makers and Jesus followers and um, you know what what are the things that we need to consider right what are the things that I don't even know and I want to have a, a, a well-rounded view on it to make a decision that best helps uh, equip my kids to yeah. be Jesus lovers and Jesus followers and disciple makers right it seems obvious that we would just no easiest it seems easiest that we would just enroll our kids in public school we're already paying the taxes for those anyways right, right. but if you have um, if you're alert 
to what's happening in our public schools. I have noticed that the people who are alert are also alarmed sure. about it. So um, not what's happening from the teacher, or not what's happening from the student aspect, which is how uh, what we were concerned about when I was growing up, but more so the content curriculum um, and, and really the worldview that is in, in high, high conflict with the Christian worldview in, in many spaces in the right. education space. So I think that's provoked a lot of concern. Yeah, and I think you and I both know lots of people, either friends and family, who have done a bunch of different ways of schooling their kids. And specifically, we're going to kind of maybe look at three different ones. We'll look at public school, we'll look at like private Christian school, and then we'll look at homeschooling to say, mm-hmm. um, because we know lots of people who have done those different, and they've they've worked out for for, for different variable reasons. And we'll say, well, what's the... You know what are the pros and the cons as you as you kind of think about what's the best approach for my family and my kids and developing Jesus followers who are disciple makers and right. who are salting the earth, right? Right. So, so that's what we're gonna do. Um, and I guess we'll fully, well, officially, we we kind of joked about it, but we'll disclose. I am a private, a public school growing up in kind of elementary through middle school in Canada, but it was like the town was like three hundred people. So uh, it was, yeah, it was it just, we just had the same kids over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, and then went to seventh grade, moved in the middle of seventh grade, and they dropped me in a middle school that is bigger than the town that I came from, right in the middle of seventh grade. So that was a my least enjoyable moment in public school. And then the rest of my life was private school, private Christian school. Um, and that was my experience. And you're yeah. full-time public school? Pol- uh, public school from beginning to end um, in a school district that was big I, I heard at the time that our high school was the biggest high school in New York State outside of New York City um, along with uh, another local high school here very very big 3200 in my graduating class there was oh, yeah. like 700 plus kids in my graduating class kids were walking across the platform graduating and we were like who, right. who in the world is that <laughs> right. never came across them so it was like a small city yeah um, but yeah, public school from beginning to end. Yeah. Well, I graduated with 50, so I mean, amazing. yeah, pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, so the question, so one of the questions we want to start with, and we'll, we'll kind of start with this because we kind of need to lay the foundation, I think. Um, and this is something that we asked ourselves a question of, okay, we're going to talk about school and education. Well, what is the purpose of education or what's even the purpose of public education? Right, where it's just the debate uh, about how we educate our kids, but what's really the purpose of it? And it turns out that this is a this is an essential way to frame the conversation. Yeah, right. Because I was shocked to discover what you're about to tell us that there is not clarity on the purpose of education from the educators or those those who are right. uh, basically being educated. Yeah, I read this. Uh, I read a Huffington Post article and. and they were describing this um, gathering they got with educators saying, well, how do we fix education, right? And um, the assumption being that it's broken. Um, And they started talking about, well, what's the purpose of education, Mm. right? And they, even at this little dinner party that they had this little conversation, they came up with like, they realized they didn't have a common definition. So they said, hey, write down what's the purpose. Are these educators? Yeah, they're educators. Yeah, so they're like 20 20 different reasons like what's the primary? There's 20 different individual primary reasons that are all different as to why education oh exists. Oh my goodness! Um, so again, they realized, okay, well, we got to actually 
figure out what the, the common definition is. So, um, but then again, um, the National Education Institute survey asked parents. They just did a survey of all these parents, and they said, "Well, what's the purpose? The primary purpose of education?" And forty-five percent said academic achievement. It's oh yeah, you just teach your kids academics. Twenty-five uh, percent said job preparation. So you obviously prepare them for a, a, a career, which you can. Uh, and a vocation, and then 25% said citizenry. So you teach um, civics and to be a productive member of the American, and the kind of American values. So was that, that's when they asked the parents? They asked the parents, yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's kind of a very, there's a disparity from parents even saying, what's the primary purpose? Well, there's very, if academic achievement is the primary purpose, that will lead you to different solutions. If job separation is the primary thing, that'll keep you to, prep. that'll, you know, change the way you educate kids or citizenry, right? right. Um, and so they, these people found they, with the National Education Institute, they, the, the kind of the CEO said, the American public does not agree on a single purpose for public education. Wow. Um, I think that's that's what we're seeing. Yeah. That's what we're seeing bubble over is that it is not, there is not an, a, an, a, a, um, um not the word, a unanimous or or a consensus right. around what what is it what are we even trying to accomplish with public education? Right. And I think we say this a lot is that everyone we assume that we're talking we just kind of assume that everybody else right. has the same idea in mind when in fact maybe there's so much disagreement because we really have there's no alignment in our starting point. Right? Yeah. Um, so just as and just another organization called Building Better Schools said, well, just give a framework. Like, what are the three main purposes? They kind of agreed with parents they said job preparation is one active civic participation is another one and then this kind of really unique nebulous one and kind of ambiguous such as living a full life which is kind of helping students reach their potential and develop crucial character traits Mm. Um, and i think that's maybe one of the things where we get into a lot of the conversation and disagreement over what that actually looks like yeah who defines who defines the the character traits that are crucial yes what's a what's the and, and how do you help a student reach their potential what does that mean oh boy um so that's kind of like the again this is the starting point if we're going to talk about you know should your send your kids christian send their kids to public school how do you educate your kids well what's the purpose of it um if we don't agree on that then we're going to have a lot of debate and and division right yeah so so that's kind of like the starting point. And this has created quite the situation. Yeah, this is a bit of a situation, right? Because, um, but I think, um, and I think if we look at it, like the education system, like there's a lot of weight and responsibility. I think there's two ways we look at it. We look at like the education system, which is like this behemoth big entity that we always point at and say, oh, it's broken. We need to fix it, right? But then there's teachers, right? We we all know teachers and most of them are like great people. They totally. love kids and they, yep. you know, you know, um, and so there's this bit of a disconnect. And so there's a lot of weight put on teachers, right? There's a lot of responsibility that our society has just thrown on teachers. Um, and not to get, you know, not to get super private schooly on you, you know, but uh, there's this Latin term. <laughs> now, so, Latin, so is another, get, Latin is another language, Dan, and it's get, not English. <laughs> I was just going to say that, so let me get this straight. <laughs> If you go all private school, <laughs> you run. You, you use this foreign phrase, yeah. and the risk is that the public school yeah, listen close graduate <laughs> doesn't understand it. <laughs> this is the part where my wife would say, "You are such a pompous." 
jackass. <laughs> and I'm well, like, well, makes, sorry. What makes that true is that you're not really joking. <laughs> That's what makes it yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I can't wait. Oh, <laughs> Yon, I can't wait to hear your super smart <laughs> foreign yeah. phrase that you came up with <laughs> while you were reading. <laughs> yeah. This phrase that I coined back in the Enlightenment days. Um, <laughs> By the way, it has the word loco in it. That's true. So I already know what loco means <laughs> yes. because I took six years of Espanol well, that in the public may have school. A different meaning in this one. It's a term that has kind of, that kind of shapes our the, the education in terms of like getting your arms around what kind of responsibility we give educators and the educational system. And it says in loco parentis, which is a Latin term for in place of the parents. Ooh. And so essentially what this does is it grants educational institutions such as colleges and schools discretion to act in the best interests of their students, although not allowing what would be considered a violation of those students' civil liberties. Oh, man. So they recognize that they're spending so much time with these kids, they have to give them, right, and not everything is just a written rule and regulation. They have to have some flexibility to say, you are able to make decisions in the best interest of the students without violating their civil liberties. Hmm. Um, That kind of shows up in discipline and standards of behavior that contribute to what would be considered like a positive learning environment, right? So you can say, we're trying to create in this environment and we want you to, we need you to to behave in a certain way, which may be different behaviors than you would have at home. Um, but it can't limit students' rights, such as, like, there was a Supreme Court case, like, you, the, the school cannot force kids to salute the national the flag uh, every day, right? So that's, like, a violation of their First Amendment free mm. speech rights. So, um, so anyway, so the reason that's important is it's kind of a foundational principle on what is the role of the educator and how much responsibility we give them. And so when you combine that with what's the purpose of, of education— where you kind of build in that nebulous, like um, that idea of living a fulfilling life and helping students reach their potential. But then also you layer on that, this idea that teachers and, and, and education institutions can act in the best interest of their students. You get a little bit of subjectivity. In, in place of in, the parent. Right, in place of the parent. Because wow. when they're, the parent's not there, there has right. to be a parental sure. type figure. Right. Yep. That is a lot. I mean, to your to your main point here in bringing that up is... That's that is an unbelievable amount of responsibility on an educator. Yeah, and not it, just to know their subject, but also to, in this, in some cases, uh, replace the parent and function or act and decide in ways that are um, most uh, in the best interest of the student. Yeah, and I think that again, we are we're charitable on the Salted Podcast. So when we think of the different debates and approaches, the charitable approach is that these people, these educators, are everyone is quote unquote acting in the best interest right. of their kids. The question is what is in the best interest of yes. kids and whose worldview, right. yeah, how does your worldview contribute to determining what's in the best interest of right. their kids? Right. right. Um, and so that's why we have all these conversations about, right. like we discussed all these different divisions and conver- and, and yeah. debates. And right. I think as we're getting more and more connected, I think we're beginning to see how, how dicey it is uh, for that to be uh, an accepted practice, right? That that, yeah. that these adult teachers, um, uh, colleges, and, and and other places uh, they have in these educational institutions, that that because of in loco parentis, um, we now get to see how dicey that is. I think in the past it would it would be probably we would think it was a lot more homogenous, but now we're like, Mm-mm, it is not. It's right. it's a uh, 
it's sketchy yeah it's uh it's a and then and then you layer again you layer on also things like okay well if people think citizenry is an important thing like what does it mean to be a, an, a productive member of society and american right. values you well, suddenly you're like okay well what are american values and are they toxic or are they good or right, how, right? so right resist the other party right yeah yeah it's you just layer on all these different things and that's where that's probably why the public school you know, or that the school system is kind of like the the everything gets triangulated there for the kind of the quote unquote battlefield of all these ideas. So, right. um, but so, so now what we're going to do is we're going to say, um, we'll, we'll kind of outline and say, well, what are the different approaches to educating our kids in light of this is kind of like broad based. This is why education exists. Potentially this is why this is kind of like the responsibility we put on educators. So what are the different ways in which we educate our kids? And like we said, we'll do public school, um, private Christian school and homeschool and we'll look at kind of kind of like set the scene um, we, we won't go into detail but the homeschool includes this hybrid model that's emerging sure but yep. we won't go into detail on the hybrid model of some online learning some public learning and then right. some homeschool learning right you know, that's kind of thriving in some areas of the country yep um, and we'll look at like what's what some people we can't like um, different different viewpoints, right? What are some proponents of public school? What are the what opponents say? What are some of the issues? And then proponents for p- private Christian okay. school and homeschooling. Um, hopefully, we'll give a well-rounded viewpoint of the ways in which people are advocating or detracting from these different different ways of going about things. So, and first, normally, naturally, and probably legitimately, is the public school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ninety percent of our school children, right. age children, are in public school. Um, so that's a lot. Ninety uh, percent being like fifty million kids or something like that. Do our do our public schools need more money? Well, yeah. that's something you hear a lot, right? It's yeah. if only we funded our public yep. schools more. Um, we are we spend the we are the second highest spender per student in the world. Well, let of me all guess countries. it, but not the second highest results. No, I mean, <laughs> we spend fifteen thousand two hundred dollars a year per student. Oh wow, um, which is the second highest, but. As you said, we are not the number two rated uh, in all of the different subjects. So math ranking, and there's some, these are like 2015. That's kind of like the latest potentially um, re, uh, data on this. But number 36 in the world in math, number 18 in reading, and number 23 in science, wow. which is uh, which is not good. Wow. Right? Um, out of 71, really kind of out of 71 different countries. Um we see there's this like reading proficiency, like fourth graders, like 40% of fourth graders can read at a proficient or advanced reading level. And then when you get to eighth grade, that goes down to like 33%. Wow. So one in one out of three kids can pr- read proficiently or advanced and everyone else is um, below that. Wow. Wow. Which is, you know, one in three. It's yeah. good for baseball, but not for no. proficiency. Um and so that's kind of like, so again, ma- ma- vast majority of kids are in public school system. Um, we, we fund, a, we spend lots of money on it. We don't get a lot of results from it. Um, but there are some proponents and, and Jesus following gospel center people who are, who have, who advocate for public school systems, um, because they believe in it. Um, and they would say some people who, who are proponents of it say that they, they believe they send their kids to public school because they believe in the public education as an ideal. Right, the idea that everybody gets access to education right. regardless of where you are, yeah, and, and they're going to participate in that. And there's so many uh, well-funded resources with experts. With um, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, 
the yeah exactly the the resources like the the technology the mm-hmm. you know is the emerging kids with special needs right i mean the, right. all those different resources competitive music competitive sport yep. um yeah the extracurriculars are kind of yep. off the charts yep um and then there's people who say well what about the what about the worldview right what about the indoctrination you know right. but proponents would say that the worldview doesn't come from their teachers or from the school. Their worldview mm. comes from their parents, right? right? So right. we can overcome that by being engaged, loving, and teach our kids, yep. um, right, who, who, who Jesus is and who God is. Um, and they would say that contributing to that is that they have a lot of interactions with non-Christian people from a wide variety of world of, of worldviews that they that, that demands them to have conversations with their kids about what they're seeing and who they're interacting with, sure. um, which is not necessarily available in other areas or other um pursuits um the idea that people are proponents that they say well even though these scores are low is that an engaged parent can overcome um and you can inspire your kids to become great learners and kids who want to learn can learn in public education right so perhaps those numbers reflect not poor schooling poor educators and a poor system perhaps those numbers reflect poor engagement yeah, yeah. So parents think, oh, I can overcome those numbers by just being fully engaged because the good numbers reflect are coming from families with right. highly engaged yep. parents. Yeah. And the Center for Public Education would actually say that they did some research and they said it's, they actually said, quote, it's really what's happening at home that actually clinches a student's academic su- success, irrespective of what's going on in the classroom. Amazing. So they just point blank say it, it's it's. It's the home. It reminds me of our um, How Important is the Father episode yeah. where we were just like blown away by the statistics on the impact of a father or more importantly, the impact on fatherlessness. Yep. Just yep. shocking. Yep. And then lastly, people who are proponents or you know Christ followers who say, let's do the public school thing is that there's a missional, incarnational kind of member of the community feel to it where you are a part of your community and your neighborhood and you are interacting with other people. Uh, other families that are far from God, mm. but they would—I think they would go—they would make the distinction, saying that they're not asking their kids to be missionaries. They're saying that they themselves are being missionaries, sure. um, which lots of people say. Well, we want your kids to be around other non-Christians and be missionaries, but that's some opponents say that's not necessarily the way to go. Um, so, what is the opposition? Right, public schools. Lots of opposition um, in terms of like. If you go on Twitter, everyone, you can, you can see there's opposition on Twitter. No, it's actually kumbaya. It's actually Uh great. Yeah. Um, it's all those public school kids on Twitter. Um, first education is statistically inferior. So if you would say the opponents say, don't send your kids to public school because the education is just not as good. Um, so send them somewhere else. Do either do private school or homeschooling. Um, there's some, there's some, some theorists like Sir Ken Robinson. He's like, if you watch YouTube or he's like one of the first tech talks that went multi-million. Mm-hmm. Um, but he argues that the American school system is kind of mired in outdated approaches and actually kills creativity. Um, so he's an, he's an opposition of not public education in general, but the way in which the current public education yeah. system is structured. I've always, I've seen plenty of um, coverage on the ineffectiveness of the particular model that we continue to kind of, embrace for active male boy learning sure that, yeah. that there's uh you know quite a bit written and i think uh, broadcast on how poorly um boys can do in those settings yeah and he he goes and not to believe not to you know 
believer. evangelize Sir oh. Ken Robinson, but it's like, but he talks about the ADHD epidemic and oh, how boy. we, you know, and how you know anesthetizing kids as opposed to and you know getting their meeting, getting all teaching all their senses and also right, but right. get their wiggles out. That's right. Yeah, he's like you're teaching it. You're telling a kid you're sit, sitting him in front of a chalkboard and telling him sit still and like I know my kid's not going to do that. Um, other opposition, um, Trevin Wax, uh, Gospel Coalition writer, he says actually, you know, from a theological standpoint, is that indoc, you know, it's not, it's not that kids are being indoctrinated into a specific ideology; they're being indoctrinated just in general into secular humanism, and right. that's the way that the public school right. system was designed. Yeah, um, mm. and so so imagine <laughs> secular humanists created a training environment, right, and it's the public school, right. And then you can understand this opposition, right? For a Christian to send their kid into a secular humanist training environment, yeah, indoctrination environment, really does cause some families some pause, right? And the, and the, and the debate is not, oh, they're indoctrinating my kid into you know, Muslim Islam, or they're indoctrinating my right. kid into trans a different religion identity, right? They're right. indoctrinated into religious pluralism, which is everything is all equally valid, and right. Yeah. So, but that's still a secular humanist postmodernist sure, worldview, sure. right? Um, there's other things like social emotional learning, which we won't go into a lot right now, but we would encourage you to probably uh, dig into that. It's a it's kind of a hot topic right now in the way in which curriculums are being designed and the way teachers are kind of placing themselves as kind of pseudo psychologists in the way they're teaching those social emotional. Again, when you go back to the question of what's the purpose of education, you don't hear a lot of social emotional learning things. Right. And that's like, again, what role does the, the school have to play in developing those areas? Yeah. S E L. Yep. And then, um, there's this growing concern, I think, is that there is a there is a battle between, or a perceived battle between parents and teachers, right? And um, the teachers growing again, if that um, in loco parentis is what's in the best interest of the child, and some of that seems to be shifting towards the teachers need to protect their these their students from their bigoted or traditional parents, who are not in you know who are not affirming a potential lifestyle that they wouldn't necessarily agree with whether that's sexual identity or a lot of that kind of goes into that and how do you there seems to be a growing rift between parents and the people and the teachers and saying there's there's active strategies and there's lawsuits about how school districts have taken on an approach that says no don't tell your you know, don't tell your parents that you were you got an abortion we'll help you get that or don't yeah. tell your care, parents that you have adopted a transsexual identity and, and, and you've changed your pronouns and right. you know you will call your we'll use your your old pronouns with your parents so they don't know because they're not going to be affirming right i remember the controversy in the public school when they started to i don't know if it was litigate or created these policies where you could not take a pill right you couldn't take an excedrin an aspirin or whatever without parental permission right. and in some cases you had to take it down at the nurse. She had to administer, he or she had to administer that, right? right? At the same time, you could slip away for an abortion without parental consent because of your own, quote-unquote, uh, reproductive health privacy, yep. right? Yep. I mean, and, and that caused quite the stir. Well, now, we, we've, um, we've, we've kind of done that a hundred different directions now with a hundred different ways that yep. tied that knot. Yep, and I think this is where again the charitable approaches this is a, these are like people would say well, this is the opposition side and say well it's dangerous to kind of put a wedge between parents and students but again um the 
the charitable thing is saying they, you know, these teachers would think that they're doing what's best for that student by, uh, you know, affirming yeah. their decisions and their right. lifestyle because at home they would maybe equate a traditional Christian worldview of, you know, of a binary sex, yeah. uh, sexual ethic as um, oppressive and right. abusive, right? right? And so they have to protect their kids from their parents. Or right. I just read a, a law about a lawsuit in California where a, st- uh, a student is pressing charges suing their parent who refuses to use their pronouns right yep. and they're calling it verbal violence yeah so this this dad is on trial for child abuse for not referring to his for, for his words that he oh. won't refer to his child with the preferred pronouns therefore um i mean if that doesn't give you a good picture of what's at stake here in our culture now in terms of why this schooling um, and this public policy public education is a hot topic i mean that's that's uh, if it's true that i mean i kind of came to my mind too if silence is violence and you're and you and there's such thing as verbal violence by not referring to i mean there's going to be a lot of felons yeah right lots of felons that used to be called mom and dad yeah yeah and that's so again when you look at the the, the proponents and opponent the opposition of going to public school there's I mean when we're gospel centered Jesus followers there's no there's no magic bullet that says this is what you should do or what you shouldn't do there there seems to be good arguments on both sides the question is you know what's and and the ironic thing is every school district is different right it doesn't this does not these aren't right. you can't say that what happens in one school district happens in every school district exactly um, so that makes it another element of, of difficulty figuring out what to do. But some things to think about in terms of like what different viewpoints are and what, why public school should or should not be kind of engaged. Um, and it's also free. Well, quote unquote free, right? You don't have to pay extra for it, right? Yeah. You're already paying for yeah. it. So, um, so there's your, there's your, your, your public school again, 90%. It's the largest, um, group of pe- of kids of school age kids in, in the country. So, but the next one is, okay, private school. Well, if I'm not going to send my kids to public school, what are my other options, right? And for a lot of Christians, it's either private Christian school or homeschooling. So let's look at kind of private Christian school. That's um, This whole section will be in Latin. For us. Oh, my. Yeah. I'm out. Sorry. All right. It's yeah. been, been good uh, yeah. being with you, everybody. Yep. The public school kid is going to slip away. Yep. Because um, I could not possibly understand. You couldn't possibly. Um Real quick, I mean, like, you're, if ninety percent of students, like fifty million, are in public school, there's like two million kids in private in private school. That's just private school, so it's hard to get numbers on private Christian school. But that includes like Catholic school, right? So a large percentage of this two million are Catholic school kids. So, um, but fifty percent are probably evangelical. But but that's two million students. That's four percent of all the right. students. Yeah. So it's not very many in terms wow. of wow. In terms four, of the, yeah. four out of a hundred go to a private school. Yeah. Yep. Incredible, um, and so like, yeah. So about so they really are the elites, you know. They really are the elites, yeah. <laughs> well, and twelve percent of those are non-religious schools, so that's probably representative of, of the actual elites, right? Um, you know, Catholic schools may not be perceived as elite, but um, so then you go to the proponent, right? What who are the people who say? Well, why would I? Why would I go to a Christian school, a private Christian school? Um, the first one is I want to be broke for the, my entire life. <laughs> Right, so <laughs> I want to double pay yes, for education. Yeah. Um, but the one is right. There's a lot more freedom. Like what, what, what we in the curriculum and the way you teach, there's more freedom. You're not bound by that centralized way of teaching sure. and kind of like standardized tests and no child left behind right, and the right. legislation that comes down from the Department okay. of Education. Um, you kind of 
the one of the biggest thing is viewing all of the subjects through the Christian worldview. Right. Um, so there is, I think, most Christian schools have a Bible class, right? But then it's also you're teaching your math and your science through the worldview of, of right. the, the biblical. So when every subject is reinforcing your your um, fundamental view uh, of the world through your faith. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then um, there's a trusted community of brothers and sisters in Christ that 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 have a, I guess, a central unity around yeah. Jesus and the good right. news of Jesus. Right. right? Um, which kind of helps you maybe, tr- I don't want to say trust them more or they tr- you maybe treat them differently in the way that you would, you have your kids go and you trust them to kind of be help disciple your kids. Yeah. Even and a you, bit more. you just have confidence that they're advocating for the same things that you are advocating for. Right. right? They're affirming what you, what right. your faith yep. worldview is. Yep. Um, if you're opposed, why wouldn't I send my kids there? Is that, some of the things that come up, and this is, I can probably resonate with this as a as a private school kid, is, you know, there's, well, not this one, because my parents didn't do this, but complacency of parents outsourcing their kids' discipleship. So mm. sometimes that happens in the church world, yeah, yeah. but then you layer on that the Christian school where you're like, oh, they're already learning about Jesus and God and, right. you know, the and, and how all the, again, your whole worldview is, is learned through the, the biblical lens, so it kind of takes the pressure off me to have to do that. Yeah. In some ways, it's like hiring a subcontractor yeah, yeah, to exactly. do that for so that you don't have to do it. You've hired these educators in the private school or maybe the church school, yep. right? And they are the ones who are discipling, teaching, training, um, yep. yeah, instead yep. of me. Like So it's also uh, replacing me in some yeah, ways. Yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. So as opposed to the public school where they come back and they're like, well, tell me about this. And then you're like, okay, I got to do some research. I got to, I got to talk to my kids about it. You're just like, nah, we're not going to talk about it. Um, and then there's a, there's the idea of Christian bubble, right? You're, I mean, this is kind of like the common argument against private Christian schools that there's a Christian bubble that prevents you from interacting with non-Christians. And that when you graduate, there's a gigantic culture shock, mm, right? Yep. If you go to some sort of, even if you go to a Christian college or something like that, there's, you know, you're, you're just thrown to the wolves. We're like, oh my gosh, right. like all this debauchery, it's, a, it's a assaulting my senses, right? So, right. See, there's this picture of like these woolly white sheep that are just kind of like yes. <laughs> the gate is open up and out they go into the, yeah, exactly, uh, yep. into the countryside yep. to be devoured yep. by every predator. We coddled you for... Right. 12 years now we're saying that's a that's a perceived opposition yeah that's to a private school yep yeah, yeah. So we say well I, I i want my kids to be interacting yeah. with all these different people and different things and navigate those things before they get to the really what would be maybe extreme things and if they go to college or something sure. like when they're an adult right right so so again again i mean there's pros and cons to private christian school yeah maybe um, homeschool is the solution maybe homeschool is the solution i uh lots of my wife's family extended family they they're they're homeschool advocates and we know lots of homeschool advocates but um homeschoolers would say well it's a parent-led home-based education that's mm-hmm. the technical term for it um and this is interesting because over the last couple of years the the percentage of people who are homeschooling their kids has kind of like skyrocketed so see i thought it cooled off yeah i mean i think but i think that that probably is a better tell or a pe- better uh, the 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 reason for that is probably because of the kinds of um, people that that I'm around more now. I think that's probably what it is. But yeah. but you're saying it did not cool off. It's actually skyrocketing. Yeah, I mean, uh, what we we 3.7 million homeschool kids in 2021. So it's seven percent of school age kids. But that's a 50 percent increase 
from two years ago. Wait a second. There's more homeschooled families than there are kids than there are yeah. private schools? Twice as many, yep. What? Yep, and that but that's because they've gone up like by a couple million from two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty one. Really? Now what could have possibly caused that? I don't know. I have no right. We have no idea. It's I mean all of the school supply closures. Chain? Yeah, supply, supply chain. chain. Yeah. That's what they did. They couldn't the public <laughs> schools couldn't get their books, but the homeschool parents could. Um but yeah, I mean all those school closures, all the different mandates oh, in public right. schools, um, that really that really and the kids were already Right, they're already at home, yeah, learning on a quote unquote learning right. on a computer, right? So they, some parents just said, "Look, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna take charge of this." And yeah, so the perception would be that parents were eager to get their kids back out of the house, but it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of parents, like a significant number of parents, said, "I have to homeschool here periodically, right?" Yeah, and I'm gonna now that I've done it, I'm gonna keep doing it. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yep. And so actually, the biggest. And, but th- this is a huge increase because there was only a quarter of a million in 1990, right? So oh we're going up from a quarter. That's like a, I mean, if you like percentages, you've 3,700% increase of, um, so it's a growing. Wow. Um, it used to be like the strange, weird homeschool people like who used to live in like a van as isolationists, and, right? <laughs> live in a van. Yeah, that, but now it's like it's more of a, it's more of a kind of a, a normal, um, a widely accepted thing. I see Kirk Cameron got in on it, right? Oh, he did? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's prepping for, what's that book series he did? Uh, left Behind. Left Behind, He's yeah. preparing to be left, he, oh, to, to not be left <laughs> behind. Uh, whatever. I got you. <laughs> got you. Poor Kirk. Yeah. Um, 40, and this is, and interestingly, is that 40% of homeschool students are, would be minorities, black, Asian, Hispanic, and other. Wow. So, wow. So that's. Four out of 10 are people of color. They're. Uh, yep. Wow. But that's kind of like. There's been a boom in the black community for homeschooling. Um, really? I think primarily because of the the demographics of being them in inner city schools, oh. and then you shut that down, right? You shut. You had the COVID shutdowns in there, and you've got you know, oh and, you know underperforming schools and all that stuff. So oh my, that's true. Yeah. Um, so lots and lots of people are, are doing homeschooling now. Um, and so why would you do it, right? Uh, well, a proponent would say. Uh, the the National Institute for Homeschoolers says, well, you actually get better educated, right? They're the homeschoolers score fifteen to thirty percent higher on standardized tests. Now isn't the isn't the caricature of homeschool? And when you when you see just like the secular caricature yeah. of a homeschool, isn't the implication that the homeschool kids don't know anything? They come out of school dumb, right? Compared yep. to everybody else. Yep, they they couldn't, and that's actually an opponent. So as you an opponent to that, the, the Boston Globe wrote this article. An, an educator wrote this article and this is what this is I'll just read it because this is it kind of gives you the ethos of some of the disdain that people have for homeschoolers they said this educator said when classroom teachers like me are out for the day we don't trust substitutes to deliver our normal educational content instead we leave written instructions for the students directly or we tell the sub to put on a movie guess what you are now the long-term substitute and quite frankly you are not capable of teaching the entire normal curriculum and that's written to parents written to parents um, so wow. they're essentially saying, with a little bit of uh, private school only pompous, we can do it. Yeah, <laughs> only we can do it. You parents are you can't possibly teach your kids a curriculum. Wow. Um, and so that's kind of like the again that goes in in line with 
kids aren't learning anything. Right. But in fact, they score higher on standardized okay. tests. Okay, that's Public interesting. School. That is that is really interesting. Um, proponents say, hey, you get more time together. Yep. You families get to spend more time together. You spend literally all day together, right? And literally, and this resonates with me because literally, as a parent, you start to kind of count the days that you still have where your kids live under your roof. Yeah. And as a homeschool parent, you can see why they would say, why would I want less time with my kids before they leave the home and spend less time with sure. their families? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you probably think of that now when you're... I'm a, my daughter's three and we're like, how can we get her out of the house for a couple right, of hours? Right. <laughs> not in our care. Exactly. Yeah. Not in our care. Right. But when you go on the other end of it, you're like, oh man, I wish I had more time. Yeah. But we need have, more loco parientes. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so more time together, curricular, curriculum freedom. Yeah. So they can, you know, they're, again, they can teach however they want to teach. There's lots of curriculum to choose from, but it's not a nationally uh, passed down one. And then flexible scheduling. So you can say, we're going to, take a couple day vacation and we're going to do yeah we're going to do school on the road or we're going to do school on Saturday and set right so I've heard this one too the the parents who say we're going to go more intense for a shorter amount of time yeah. and then extend the break yeah as well yep um so those are proponents so a couple good reasons to do it right if you're opposed to it you're thinking this is one of the things that my wife and I think of it's like well it's literally a full-time job yeah right you're you are saying we're going to be a one-income family and one of these parents is going to teach our kids, right? Yeah, so essentially the opposition could ver- make a, a strong case because it's true. It is far more costly, Yeah. right? You're paying your taxes for your public school and then you are paying the cost of not being able to provide an additional full-time income perhaps, yep. right? Yep. Now I know there's nuance to that sure. and it's not exactly right, but but for the most part, having someone has to be there. Yeah. And, and if they're there, they're not in an, an additional job or yep. income source. Yep. And you got to learn a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I can't mean like, but do you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't, I tutored some kids in seventh grade for a little bit and they were doing math and I'm like, I got, I got nothing for you. I'm I can like, already hear homeschool parents saying you don't, you just, there's online yeah, learning. Sure. There's, you know, yep. Um, and then, again, people would say, well, you don't get the same quality of education, right? It's right. just, you know, you don't have professional teachers writing professional curriculum, doing professional, sure. right? And then the big one, uh, there's a big one of socialization. That's always the big oh, opponent, right. right? It's like, how do you socialize? How do you, sure. like, you just, you're socially awkward because you've never interacted with anybody right. other than your family. And I mean, um, the co-ops solve that, right? Yeah, there's co-ops. and yep, yep. Yep. So there's lots of, and you're also, you are allowed to go, play in public school sports teams and stuff like right, that from, what right. from what I understand. Yeah. So, um, and then also if you're on the, the non-Christian kind of perspective, there is a, there is an accusation that it's just religious fundamentalism and you're raising like bigoted people that are just right. being indoctrinated to yep. say isolationists and you know, yep. Christian nationalists and stuff. Hateful so. and, yep. and, um, yeah. Yep. So good grief. So again, there's three different we're focused on like three options right if the port what's the purpose of education right what's the responsibility we put on educators and then what are the options as christians to say well what, what do i do yeah and so to you know our, our audience who's listening uh it's safe to assume they're christians many of them young christian parents what wh- why would this matter well, especially what, what we've just covered why would that matter yeah to them and we've covered it i mean it took a while for us to get there so sorry about that dear listener but um it matters because um because education is a tool right school's a tool um mm-hmm. and one of the person that you found dr koch is like this phd of the this 
president for uh, Celebrate Kids. It's an organization that kind of helps um, parents figure out how do you how do you help kids get educated? Maybe help them answer some of the questions that our audience is asking right now. Right. We're asking. Um, and she says, right, she says, school exists to equip and encourage parents to raise godly children who understand their purpose, right? So we would say that's a great thing that we maybe want to co-op and say, why does it matter to Christians? Because we are trying to raise kids, uh, and we're trying to, we're trying to equip and encourage parents to raise godly children who understand their purpose, yeah. right? And so that's the purpose of being disciple makers who make disciples and right. salting the earth. And Which seems like that extends beyond the purpose of my educating my kids to help them know math, to help right. them know science, right? Those are aspects, I think, of what what what, we're, what this uh, Dr. Koch or Koch is saying. Yep. Uh, but there's an equipping aspect, an encouraging aspect, and um, there is a understanding your purpose in 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 the world or in in God's view, right? Yep. And so that's kind of like again we reviewed the different things, but the question is, well, what's the right path? Well, it's probably different for everybody, but the question that we then have to ask is, well, this is the, these are the different things going on culturally, different options, but you know, what, is there any biblical kind of foundation or gospel centered worldview and biblical insight that says, well, what, you know, what does the Bible have to say about this? And right. How do we? How does that inform the decision that we make? And if school is a tool for some, that will be the homeschooling tool, and for others, it'll be the public school tool and the private school tool. And um, that's the private school tool. That's is that me? Did you just insult <laughs> me? That was uh, not in a foreign language. That was plain English. <laughs> um, but Doctor um, Koch says that. Uh, families choose the right path, whatever tool, whatever path, it's, it's, the family's going to have to pick that, especially one that works for their specific needs. And for some, it'll be one path and for, for others. And, and that's really where, um, where I eventually land to. And I think in terms of how do we sort this out as Christian parents, that's, that's pretty much not the end. That's the starting point. The starting point is these tools will help us accomplish the goal which tool is better than another is very subjective. Mm. It's it's a it's a tool that you decide is best for you for for whatever reason. But yeah. I do think there's it, it's interesting to think of this topic through a Christian worldview because if you just look at the Bible and what it says about teaching or schooling, you're gonna. I mean, in the Old Testament, you'll notice that there was a primary teaching objective was to describe who God is and what he's done. That mm. was the teaching objective in the Old Testament. The primary teacher were parents and family who were immersed in a synagogue or they were immersed in a community uh, um, tabernacle, um, with, uh, I should say. Sure. And that the job of the teacher, the parents and the family, was to write on the hearts of their children the mighty deeds and the mighty works mm. of God. That was, And it was to be passed on, and they did so verbally, um, passed on from one generation to the next. And the mandate was to train up a child. And we see this written in Proverbs. Um, uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older they will not leave it. Or um, train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart is kind of a more uh, literal translation. Right. And here's something really interesting about that. That phrase, train up a child, um, is has a has a word or a phrase, a root word in the scripture, and it actually means 
the roof of the mouth, the palate, and the gums. And the, and the people who read that original proverb would have understood that that's the part that, that is used to break a horse or to bring that horse into submission. Mm. So imagine how that changes the understanding of the word train up a child when it technically means break them under or into submission to their spiritual authority. I love that. I, know. I don't know why I love that, but, I know. You know, but it, it resonates. It yeah. resonates so much. So yeah. when we think of training up a child, isn't necessarily, according to Proverbs, it isn't necessarily, um, training up doesn't necessarily mean give them the right intellectual information. It doesn't necessarily mean make sure that you pick the right curriculum uh, or that you should fill them with facts and figures and, and kind of fill up their empty slate, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it means be sure to bring their little hearts under submission. Teach them uh, that their will is subject to the will of their spiritual authorities, their parents. Mm-hmm. Their parents are subject to the uh, the authority of God, of course. And that's the goal. And that if you do that, they will they will um, uh, they won't leave the right path. They'll be submitted to. They won't be. Um, excessively autonomous or rebellious, right? Wow. So very, very intriguing um, there. When yeah. you think of the parents and family um, um, immersed in a f- in a worship family, who are teaching who God is and what He's done to their kids, writing it on their hearts that so that it will pass on. That's pretty much in the Old Testament the references to teaching. Wow, it's yeah. That's I mean, I. M- m- well, thing that comes to mind is my we were I'm in a text store with my family and we all have little my brothers and I we all have little kids but they're like my brother was doing a send a text about what they're doing to like tr- send their kid to school or something and I said you know break her you know break her will we're joking like mm. and my dad was like no 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 you yeah you break her will but you don't break their spirit right yeah, I was like yeah. oh that's such a nice thing to say but the idea of that picture of the horse thing is like pretty incredible like yeah. you break a horse and it's like right. they're going crazy and then you but you eventually sub- bring the submission yeah you put the bit there with the palate or the roof of the mouth or in the gums and that's what that phrase that's the root word of that phrase so pretty interesting now if you if you flip over to the new testament which we know doesn't contradict the old testament it, it supplements and complements and mm-hmm. i think um it, it it is um worth noting that but um they in the new testament jesus summarizes all the law if you're going to learn the law of god in the in the new testament jesus describes the all those hundreds and hundreds of laws that God had, um, uh, or the, the 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 tens of laws that were that were um, expressed, along with all the laws in Leviticus and so on, and He gives a summary, and He basically says, "Love God, have affection for God, and love other people, so uh, or love your neighbor." So, the primary teaching format we can probably pull out of the New Testament this model that Jesus lived and then described to his disciples this way. He said, while you are going, make disciples. So the teaching model in the New Testament doesn't have clear direction that if you're a parent and you're trying to figure out what to do with your kids, you've got three options. The New Testament doesn't say, here are your three options, public, private school, or homeschool. Instead, the implication is that you will be a disciple maker by nature. When you and your spouse um, are... are, um, overseeing a family that you are disciple makers and that you will be going and while you are going you will be baptizing and teaching Hmm. baptizing means bringing into community it means um, making sure that they're immersed in a community and 
teaching to obey means it's action oriented. So as a disciple making parent, I'm not just making disciples of people who I know and love or in my circles, whether it's in my neighborhood or my my um, co-workers and my teams and so on, but also I'm making disciples of my children, right? That's my sure. primary responsibility. And it doesn't, the New Testament doesn't compel us to choose one path or another. There are principles that I think we can come up with, but um, we know that in the New Testament, the primary teacher was Jesus. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't our primary material come from Jesus? Right. Along, of course, with the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit to um, teach us all truth and so on. So so to salt the earth, um, here, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's helpful to our audience to, to say this. To salt the earth, there are some things that I think we should be super in tune with. Um, the first thing, really it's the only thing, and then I have some, um, some examples, but to salt the earth, we have to remember to carefully analyze and critique our own cultural influences, our biases, and our fears, because I think that all three of those, our influences, biases, and fears, make this very difficult. Sure, it yeah. makes it very hard to know what to do with our kids, or yeah. it makes it impossible for us to be alert and discern what might be best for our kids. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of that I heard. Um, I was listening to some Christian radio a while back. This is several years now. And I heard a Christian school, Christian private school headmaster. Uh, the word headmaster, I mean, if that doesn't alarm you right at the beginning, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what would. But the headmaster was on Christian radio teaching that Christian schools are good, that God has created them, and that they are basically good. Hmm. And then he went on to say, and the Bible says to him who knows the good he ought to do, which of course was enroll your child sure, yeah, of course. <laughs> in the in in the in in his private school and doesn't do that the parent who knows the good he ought to do and he does not do that he said to him it is sin and i was like if if i i mean what a shocking description right everybody knows that that's what they meant that's the literal translation of what was written in the bible it's okay bonkers. yes the good is equivalent How, with yeah now, now here's the problem. I'm, it, it's possible one of our listeners actually believes that. It's it's very possible that someone thinks no, Christian schools have been created by God for Christian families, and they're good. And if you know that they're good, created by God, and you don't send your kid there, you're sinning, right? Maybe someone believes that. I I would be open for some explanation yeah. because to me that sounds so incredibly a self-serving for the right. headmaster, right? Yeah, right. But b I don't know how you find that in the Bible. Sure, yeah. I don't know. Now, now I, I do believe that if, if he was saying you as a parent and family have an obligation to raise your child with the fear and admonition of God, right? right. By fear, I don't mean cowering in fear of punishment. I mean reverence that right. he is supreme authority. Mm-hmm. That parents are to teach their children the reverence of God, make a disciple at home, how to love and follow Jesus and represent Jesus well, or we would say uh, share and show. Um, that's what God has done to help us make disciples. And if you don't do that, 
it's then sinful. It's, yeah. I could, I could get and then here's my best case why Christian school, my Christian school, is the best way of right. your options to do that. Exactly. Right? I'm totally, totally cool with that. But anyway, so, so anyway, that's why it brought me to this idea that to salt the earth, we have to remember to analyze and critique our own influences, our own cultural influences and biases and fears. And so, so an example of a bias would be. Uh, parents who truly care here's here this would be a bias a parent who believes that the other families who truly care about their kids will homeschool them right that that the parents who aren't homeschooling their kids don't care for their kids well, as much as they other do things more right? right they care about their job or their bank account exactly. more than exactly. they care about their kids that that has to be analyzed and critiqued yeah right maybe there are times where that's true, but generally, I think there's some mass. It's 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 hard to salt the earth when you think you love your kids more than your neighbor does, yeah. or your, uh, you know, your church family member. It's it's so. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. comes through, right? Yep. So, and then there is some biases that have to be analyzed too. One example would be this: the bias that if a family is homeschooling, or if you homeschool your fam- your your kids. That they're going to be unsocialized, sheltered, and sometimes even radicalized with biases. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, again, that's a, that's a bias against homeschool or a bias against public school that has to be analyzed and critiqued right. on our side. There seems to be a little, little high level of self-righteousness and all those different things. Yeah, right? just I think a little you're right. of, uh, you know, just narcissist or pompous. You I, know. I think so. And, yeah. and it does so much damage in, in churches that adopt, um, one particular path, I think really struggle with division, backbiting, uh, a sense of, um, a sense of class, in the church, right? right? Yeah. So if the pastor from the platform is advocating, let's say, homeschooling, then obviously over time the sensation is if you're not homeschooling, you're you're a lower class, right, unspiritual yeah. person. So it's important for us, I think, to analyze and critique our own cultural influences, biases, and um, and and certainly even um, our our fears. So um, an example of fear uh, would be this: the fear as a parent that public schools are a godless battleground where uh, you will most likely lose your Christian kid. So again, if you have that fear to salt the earth, you're going to have to, you're going to have to critique and analyze it. You're going to have to ask God to help you with that fear. The idea that you are going to most likely lose your Christian child because they're at a, the battleground of the godless school um, it, one of the things that comes to my mind, Yon, is this idea that if your kids belong to Jesus, you know, they have saving faith, they have, they've been regenerated. What about the passage that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? right? There are principles that help us see yeah. just because your kids are in a, in a public school doesn't mean you're most likely going to lose them. Sure, yeah. Yep. Uh, by lose them, I mean, of course, I don't mean they're not going to come home from school one right, day yes. and you don't know where they are. I mean, uh, lose them to quote-unquote the world. And then we've had some pretty incredible, um, over the years, some statistics that have really rattled parents, too, that, that 80 to 85% of Christian kids graduate from high school and lose their faith. And right. that's a nuanced number that's super important to, to uh, again, critique and analyze yep. some of this. But uh, And another, another thing worth factoring into this fear, too, is that it continues. The last I read, it wasn't that long ago, 
the number one influence on our children still to this day is not teachers and coaches and, and pastors and um, mentors and whatever. That's super important. But the number one influence is still parents and the child's home life. Yeah. That That is what shapes a person. So no matter where your kid's at, if your kid's at a public school, private school, um, uh, your influence as a parent is still number one on, on, on a child. So. Right. We have to be, I think, uh, very yeah. careful. About and I think that. we, I mean, we that surfaced in some of the research we talked about earlier is that they actually said it, you know, it matters entirely not what goes on in the classroom, but what goes on in the home. Right? Yeah. And that's not even someone who's advocating for a gospel-centered, disciple-making right. approach to education. It's just saying, just public education in general, the family is is or the home life is is a necessity to be the primary thing in teachers and the stuff they learn is supplemental. So. Exactly. Exactly. Another example of a cultural influence that needs to be critiqued and analyzed is this, to be the thought or the philosophy or even this sensation that to be successful, all my kids must attend or graduate from college or university. Yeah. How about this one? If I don't provide every opportunity and pursue every achievement for my child, I'm a poor, a selfish and failure of a, as a parent, yeah. right? If I don't provide every opportunity and pursue every achievement. Um, some people would say if you analyze that line of thinking, um, that it, it it leads to what it, if you follow that line of thinking, it leads to full immersion and family sacrifice in public school sports or clubs. And uh, we do that in order to set them up for quote-unquote success. And if, and if setting them up for success means sacrificing my family, then that's what I'm willing to do. Again, that's a line of sure. thinking that needs to be analyzed and critiqued. Yeah. And it's not it's easy to fall into that. It's you know you don't just say yeah I want to just spend all my time doing all these things. No, you 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 kind of think this is what's best for my kid. Oh, right. they they do this and do that and do this, and then suddenly you're down the road and you're like I got there's no free yeah. time. Our right. family's never together. Exactly, it's, it's never ending. Yeah, and for some, when they count the cost, they reject. There are parents and families who say, I've, I've just analyzed this, and I reject the calendar chaos mm -hmm. that leads to a hectic and costly lifestyle of my kids uh, being heavily immersed in every opportunity and, and, and pursuing every line of achievement, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, and here's the problem. The problem is we have to investigate what's driving that, and in my opinion, the dri what's driving that is the sensation that if I'm not doing that, I'm a failed parent. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm a... Um, Really, what you're doing is you're making a, a decision on what you value more and most, right? Yep. So those are, I think, three examples of um, bias, fear, and cultural influence that we have to analyze and critique. And, and I just kind of say that I, th I think I'm sharing that out of um, uh, some of the perceptions that I've had over time that have kind of generated some maybe some insight or wisdom on that uh, worth considering. But there are three guiding principles that I'm hoping very briefly here could help you if you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with my kid I think there's three things that might help you decide no matter which pathway you choose mm -hmm. and the first one is regarding public school one guiding principle that might help you is to see the public school as a place that you send your child to like a missionary when they're little, they don't necessarily know they're being a missionary, but right. it's possible that they have a sent uh, mindset, right? Uh, and you 
pray for their teacher with them. You pray for their classmates with them. You send your little one to the public school with generous, generous things. You, um, so now clearly we don't think that this child is going to go, especially in elementary, right? He's going to go and reap a harvest as a missionary. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, um, going in the school to provide contrast, to salt the school with their own unique approach to, um, their life, their lifestyle, or the family's uniqueness, right? And there's a common risk, of course, and that is that you send your kid in as a missionary and there is clashing worldviews, there's clashing values. Right. Um, you know, I always have this this vivid fear that those are the public schools are where you send your kids and they meet the biggest, baddest, bruisiest bullies. Right, and they're like, do all these right. sinful things right. or else I'll beat you and exactly. take your lunch money. Exactly. Um, and, and so that's a common risk, of course. And then there's even new risks, right? That is not, this is my perception. It's not just peer pressure. There was a day where we thought, well, we're going to send our kids to these public schools and the peer pressure is going to be so intense. They're going to be overwhelmed by peer pressure. Now, Mm -hmm. if you follow the culture closely, there's not just the fear of peer pressure, but there's this fear of, um, adult teacher pressure, right? right? And by that, I don't mean, uh, the teachers that you and I are thinking of, we're, we're, I'm thinking about the activist teacher. Sure. Uh, at, you know, you remember, yeah. So th- I think that's a, a new risk that, that has to be considered. But it is possible, I believe, to, to, to send your child, no matter what age, with the purpose or the intent that they would bring a contrast, that they, that they would, in fact, I know from my kids who were in public school, they were able to perceive a very, very big difference, a contrasting way that that people live their lives among the public school right. community yeah. and the way that they live their lives. Yeah. Not that they were above or better, but um, their perception was there was a lot of pain and hurt and right. and uh, uh, and they and they actually I, I saw how my kids and they to this day they do they've grown quite a bit of compassion because of their um, the way that they've. Uh, right. perceive their experience or, or their friends and in, 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 uh, in public school. So so you could send them into public school. Secondly, regarding private school, you could you could strengthen your kids with private school support. Right. Supplement and affirm the foundational Christian worldview, especially in the elementary ages, build that foundation. you know you're growing them strong, you're, you're putting their roots down nice and deep. Uh, the common challenge with private school, of course, is the extra cost. You're paying your taxes and tuition. That was a major issue for us when we started with one child in private school. And then when the second one came along to go to private right. school, we were like, <laughs> so we can we, we can have a mortgage on a home or send our second child to yeah. the... I mean, who the, needs uh, to eat three meals a day when right. you can send your kid to public exactly. private school? So it's that double whammy of, of taxes and tuition. But but there's still, even, even when you strengthen your... A child through the public or the private school support, there's still a common risk. One of the common risks that's emerged that I've noticed is the the possibility that among that Christian community in that private school, there is some fundamentalist legalism that comes from adults, mm. where the interpretation of their faith is not gospel-centered. It is not based in grace. It's based in rules, laws. Uh, they don't intend it to be legalistic, but it's moralistic, behavioristic, and legalistic, and that's how they control behavior. Yeah. And as a result, I think it's very possible that kids leave the private school and they think of the Christian faith very differently than you intended. Right, yeah. What and, you intended yeah. was that they would learn about God. What they received was God is a harsh, judgmental right. punisher. Yeah. 
in that the, the Christian faith is all about following the rules and regulations. Yeah. And I think that's a risk in a fundamentalist school that they learn from the adults who are in charge yeah. of that. And even the, I mean, when I was in, one of the big things was even for those people who are engaged in their faith, the conversation wasn't like unity around the good news of Jesus. It was how do we, what are our denominational differences? And let's mm. have debates about random things. It's like, yeah. no, it's like, it's like we're like divided ourselves around like, oh, are you a Calvinist? Or are yeah. you, it's like, it's like all these useless, not useless, but they're secondary and peripheral conversations. Right. We didn't say, yeah, we're unifying around Jesus. Exactly. You know? so. Yeah. I remember well, some of those, um, some of those conversations and the other common risk of course, is that in the Christian school, are unchristian Christians there. So there no. are people who appear no, to no, be. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I think I'm sitting with one good example of, of that years, look, years look, back. Look, Kidding. People would say yes. <laughs> You've got <laughs> unchristian Christians where the, the issue is these, these particular, that student body can become gray and lukewarm. And it's very cap very possible that your child believes that Christianity isn't hot or salty um in fact that christianity is very gray and mundane and and compromised right so in other words there's a lack of contrast that hey right. these christian kids are approving this accepting this living this way or saying these things or believing these things and, and then there's this kind of this strange absorption of that kind of lukewarmness right yep. yeah yep. or or religious um, hypocrisy or whatever so very interesting. I think that's a common risk. So, so send them into public school, strengthen them with private school, or submerge them in homeschool. And by submerge, I mean they get submerged into the family life. Mm. And in their family life, they're being prepared for launch. Uh, the common challenge there, you've mentioned it, is the extra cost, right? You're paying taxes, plus you're restricted. If you're a full-time teacher, you're restricted from additional full-time income. The common risk there uh, is that a lot of times parents aren't gifted for leading yeah. self-study um the yeah. kids aren't motivated for self-study the 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 structured learning environment is not a strong suit of the sure, parent yeah. so yeah. um now i know there's ways around that and thank god for for that but i do i do think that that's some of the some of the common risks there yeah. i mean you want you're teaching your kid to behave you layer on top of that them to behave in an educational setting right. it's like it seems like a lot so. yeah exactly so um just a few things i want to mention before we get to our uh, personal preferences you know i'll make these nice and quick i don't want to have a um conversation that's that's uh, it's too long just real quick um i hope this helps somebody here's some pastoral tips um i'm going to say this forcefully i don't mean it forcefully but it's just the easiest way to say it uh, whatever decision you make make your decision to use school as a supplement to making disciples among your own family. So among your own family, you're making disciples. No matter what path you pick, be sure that that path is just a supplement, not a replacement. Right. At home, make disciples, go, baptize, teach, you know, model, mm. live the life among your, your own children and let them, let them catch it. Secondly, make your decision from conviction, not fear. That was important for us sure, when yeah. we were when we were thinking about what to do with our own kids. We were like, are we really going to make our decision based on what we're afraid might happen? 
rather than having a conviction for what we want to happen, what we want it to look like. Thirdly, make your decision individually customized for each child. You don't have to make a decision and then apply it to all your kids. We certainly saw how it was important for each kid gets Mm, a different consideration because of the kind of kid. And we we were very alert and had a plan. My wife and I had a plan that the minute we needed to, one of our kids that was in public school was coming out if right. they needed to hmm. coming out and doing we're doing something different right but we're not just going to go eh, they're in school getting bullied what are we going to do about that i right. hope the teacher speaks up or i hope the principal does something you right. know yeah so if they're getting crushed by one thing or other we're ready to uh so uh you can individually customize for each child obviously uh another one make your decision with confidence that there's no universal best answer they're, they're, from our church leadership, you aren't going to get, hey, if you love your kids, homeschool them. Right. Or if you want elitist, arrogant, condescending, religious. Mm, sounds good. Send them to private school. That sounds good. If, if you want, um, yeah. So, um, and, then, and then lastly, here's how I want to close this, Yon. Could we all take a deep breath and remember that by God's grace, there are phenomenal Christians leading serving in the world and making just so much powerful and meaningful impact who are Christian adults now. Some of them were homeschooled. Some of them were private schooled Mm -hmm. and some of them were public school. I mean, it is not, it is, it is in a large part, um, by God's grace, he can, he can bring about our children, whatever he wants with highly engaged parents in any one of those tools or with any one of those tools or, or any one of those pathways. Yep. And I mean, we say it for all sorts of things, but they don't really belong to us, right? Our kids belong to God. Exactly. We, he's blessed us with the opportunity to shepherd them and steward them and lead them. But you know, I mean, ultimately God loves them more than we do. So he's going to exactly. create the environment that best helps them yep. come to know him. Right? And thank God for Excellent public schools, excellent private schools, and excellent homeschool yeah. parents and, and tools for homeschoolers. Yep, it's, it's there. Yep, and I, well, the ult, I mean the ultimate thing is we think we say this a lot is just engagement and like you said, disciple making. That's your job at home and being an intentionally engaged parent. And if you're doing that, then you know all those other things just kind of are I secondary. It. I believe so. it's true. So you want to, real quick, I mean, you want to real quick, some personal preferences. Yeah. What was your, well, looking back, we're doing looking back and saying you're a private, you're a public school guy. I'm a private school kind of mostly. Um, what, what are we, what would you, what's the best part? What would we do differently? What's our recommendation? What do we like the best? I mean, yeah. yeah. What would we prefer based you, on our experience? Yeah. 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 Um, well, if I could go back and I got to make uh, I got to do what I preferred to do. Uh, my personal preference would be to do the same, which is to I would I would be a public school student. And if I, uh, knowing what I know now, um, well, I, I should just base it on based on my experience. I think it provided for me a very vivid uh, contrast. I think I really really enjoyed getting to know and getting familiar with all of the different kinds of students mm-hmm. from all different kinds of backgrounds and yeah. all different kinds of uh, families. And also, that's in context, I had a um, very stable home life, mm-hmm. and I had a highly engaged life among the fam- the, the church family. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm immersed in my faith at home, immersed in my faith family, 
and the public school experience was like I was like an away team leaving the USS mm. Enterprise. And, right. Yeah. And I, if I could do it again, and I knew better, and I had some good training, and my parents kind of saw it this way, I would have invested more in into those lives that I knew back then. But I do think that it was a overall it was a helpful healthy experience to experience the public school culture at the time of all those students so yeah. if that's uh that's what i would prefer if i could go back and do it again i would think i would take the same path yeah spoken like a true public school <laughs> graduate yeah uh, what about you i mean i'd probably say the same thing i'd probably i mean i don't think i would change a whole lot i mean i was i mean i have a, a bit of a unique story like i went to what one two three i went to like four five different schools from 7th to 10th grade, right? So I was Whoa. moving around a lot, different cities, different, like, public school, private school, all those things. But um, those last three years, like 10th through 12th grade, I really, I thought it was, um, I was in a small enough school where I kind of needed some stability, I think. I needed to get to know people, kind of build some friendships around with, not that you can't do that in public school, but, you know, the smaller class size and the, you know, you're just around the same people and everyone plays like on the same sports team because there's not nearly as many extracurriculars right. you know it's like you're either playing soccer you're playing basketball yeah. it's not like a thousand different options um so just after all that moving and not you know a lot of disruption it's been a couple of years and then also you know learning about jesus and i became a self-righteous little turd mm. i think when i in in high school but um but i think i generally you know met jesus and and then uh, just had to learn a little bit of gospel yeah. wakefulness, yeah, grace-based yeah. life yep. uh, coming out of there. But and you have mastered that. You know, you're like an expert at that now. I am now, and so <laughs> you're welcome. Next time we'll do a whole episode of me just telling you <laughs> how to do that. But, um, yeah, so, again, I mean, what's the, the theme is there's no right answer, right? Should Christians send their kids to public school? I don't know. Should they send them to pri- private school? I don't know, or homeschool, whatever you think is best, doing it with wisdom and, you know, humility and, and what's best for your unique kid. And uh, However you can teach them to love God, love their neighbor, make disciples. I mean, I think there's three good tools. Yeah. So in t- t- typical salted fashion, we threw it right down the middle, right? I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, thanks for thanks for listening. I mean, we're, this was a long one, so thanks for sticking with us. And like us, subscribe, share it with your friends. We're growing our international audience. we got different countries, different cities around the country. And uh, we're just excited that people are actually listening and hopefully learning something. So thanks for, thanks for sticking around. Bye. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.